Oh my God, happy July and welcome to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle podcast. But before we get started, as usual, we have a little coach's announcement. So this is something cool. You can get on a waiting list for my September Cycling Skills four-week online workshop for women. The registration isn't ready, but we're taking people on a waiting list. So you guys get the first dibs to signing up for this workshop that's going to start September 9th. It's every Thursday afternoon from four till five. So it's quick. We, what we do is we got every week we talk about a cycling skill. So we always start off with pedal stroke and then we move into hill climbing and then we do speed and then we tie it up with nutrition. So every week you get one of those workshops, you get homework, and then we have a Q&A on Tuesday at noon to go over any type of questions that you might have from the homework, from the recording or the workshop that we went through. So basically what you have is me for a month so you can co you can like pick my brain as the coach with, with regards to any type of cycling skills or cycling type of questions. It can be about competition. It can be about touring. It can be about centuries. So basically you got a coach for a month. So check it out. My, my cycling skills four week online workshop for women go to cyclingskillspro.com and register for the VIP. You guys will be the first to get the opportunity to sign up. I'm only going to take a certain amount of uh, women in the program, so make sure you're the first one there. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. I'll be pu I put coaching um, uh, tips up there and on TikTok and a sign up for the my YouTube channel and don't forget to follow this podcast. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right. Thank you everyone for coming out for another amazing episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow, and this amazing lady that I came across the other day who used to race professionally in the eighties when I was like struggling through high school, she's out in Europe racing. So I would love to welcome Debbie Jensen, known as Prakti Jensen or Debbie Prakti Jensen here in the Ottawa region. Um, I am so excited to have you here. Now, before we come out, before you come out, I'm just going to give you a little bit of her bio and then we're going to have her come out and spill all the beans as to what it was like racing in the eighties as a female. So Prakti was a lover or Debbie was a lover of cycling from the age of seven years, zooming around on a purple banana seat bike. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I had a banana seat bike. <laughs> we piled all three of our sisters on it. So all three of us would like 
<laughs> zoom around on it. Like, and um, so she grew up in Calgary, um, meant uh, doing alpine skiing, was a norm, and then cycling for the off season. Uh, she, competition cycling took over in 1984. I think I was still in elementary school. In the day of leather, hairnets, not helmets. So she, I have some cool pictures that she had, and I'm going to be sharing them um, right here and over here. I'll, you guys can see them on the on the YouTube recording of this. Um, surprising to many, including herself, competitive cycling led to a discovery of meditation, and a now 35 year daily practice studying her spiritual teaching as studying with her spiritual teacher suri chinmoy correct all right okay cycling and good food are perfect partners so in 1995 prapti started up one of the ottawa's early vegetarian restaurants and you might have if you lived in the sandy hill area you might have um uh went to her restaurant it was perfect uh, satisfaction promise is that what it was called close perfection satisfaction promise perfection i'm trying to read too fast <laughs> from 1995 to 2018 she was in the sandy hill area um and in 2019 she's reunited with her love for cycling and the great joys of competition she's aiming to come back and really dive into some local events, local time trials, and she's looking to um, get some new PBs and really uh, make her mark in the master's area. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm part of it. <laughs> Welcome, Debbie Prapti, to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, it's really fun for me, actually. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great program. Thanks. Thank you. All right. So now uh, what I love to start every episode is asking how you got into cycling. And of course, we're going to die. We're going to spend a lot of time just going like just telling us about what it was like to race in the 80s as a female, because like I was mentioning, I just interview, interviewed Catherine Bertine, um, episode 81. So you go back and check her out. She's the, she is currently, um, you know, advocating for um, female cycling to be, you know, paid as much as the men. But I'd like to know what it was like. Let's talk about your experience and how you got started. Sure. Well, uh, wow, back Back in the early 80s, I was in Alpine, involved in alpine skiing. And so the off season, we would ride all the time. And I lived in the mountains in Alberta and BC. And, um, you know, I hung out with the guys all the time because it was a lot of fun, you know, <laughs> and, and we just rode bikes a lot. And I was always killing myself to keep up to them. And then they'd go to races on the weekend and it's like, oh, let me try the racing. And I ended up doing pretty good in the racing. And then they're like, oh, let's go to the provincials. And then, you know. <laughs> let's go provincials. <laughs> so then I did well in the provincials in Alberta. And then I guess they found me and asked me to come to Texas and, and uh, do a training camp in Texas. 
Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So then that's kind of how I started my, how I got into, um, you know, it was a short lived career before I, I, I went on to the national team. It was basically one year, two years of local road racing. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. Now, how many other women were on the start line? Like, what does the start line look like back so then? Back then, I can vividly remember being in, in uh, Summerside in BC. And there'd be like, you know, 50 guys, senior men, ca different categories. And then there'd be six women and the oh. cadet men. <laughs> so this is that. And the like what? Cadet boys. Oh and boy! <laughs> with the cadet boys. Yeah, and, yeah. Our uh, <laughs> junior girls, you're like fabulous. <laughs> I know. So um, I think I was 23, 22, 21 at that time, and and then the guys were like under fourteen. But then once we got, you know, to the provincials, there'd be like forty women, fifty women riding okay. in provincials. Yeah. So, so there was a. Anyways, that's how it started out. Yeah. So it seems like kind of similar to now, <laughs> like if, depending on what, what race you go to, you can, there's sometimes there's a lot of women, but in, I find master's category, it's usually the smallest. Um, Cause when I started, I was 34, 35 racing and we're masters. And so it was like lumped in with, like you said, the junior boys or junior girls, and then the masters, B, like D, like the older guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it was us, um, two masters, female categories, and uh, so it, it seems like it never changed. Like I would have thought that there was, it would have been smaller, but it seemed fairly. It seems fairly. Yeah, there was a, always a pretty good turnout when it was like a bigger event mm -hmm. for the women. But mind you, maybe they some. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was a pretty good event for like provincials or something like that. You know, good yeah. Sign. Did they have clubs for women or were, or were there any clubs or thing as women's clubs and women's teams? Absolutely not. It was like a it was a oh. club that everyone joined. Right. And um, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like mostly mostly guys. Tell us, like, talk to us about it. Calgary, that I was on the Cycle Meisters when I started. Well, so I went Cycle to, Meisters. That's awesome. In Kimberly, <laughs> on the Kimberly, Kimberly, BC, we had a little club there. Uh, Mountain, there's a sports store in Kimberly. Mountain Magic, I think is the name. Anyways, so we had a little club and I was the token girl on the club. It was all guys. And uh, <laughs> but we traveled around together and raced, and we had a great time. And uh, then when I came back to Alberta, uh, I joined the Cycle Meisters. So it was great. Ed Novotny, I think Ed's probably passed on by now, but he was like this diehard guy that just supported everybody who didn't have a penny, who wanted a bike, and who wanted to race. He was really wonderful. And um, I'm trying to think of some of the other names of people back then. And we, anyways, we traveled between Alberta and BC to do all of our racing. And um, that year nationals were in Calgary, so it was easy. And then uh, there was a couple of women, I'm trying to think who were, who also went on to the national team who stayed in Alberta. I happened to come to Ontario at that time. 
and then um, was it the uh, school or uh, actually, well, it was actually the next season I came to Ontario after after I made the national team. Then I came to Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, so back then, when you got into to Alpine's racing, was that because you just lived in Alberta and that was the thing to do? Yeah. Or were you in a club? Yeah, I was in a club. Our family skied at Lake Louise, so I was on the Lake Louise. Ski oh, club. that's and, nice. Yeah, it was Lake nice. Louise is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was like our 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 ritual. Every morning, we Saturday morning, we be be up at five o'clock and we drive out to the mountains. And uh, every single weekend of my life growing up was pretty much in the mountains, whether it was skiing or hiking or biking. As a oh, kid. Oh wow! Yeah. And so. so Go ahead. So part of that um, club, they had you on bikes in the summer. That was kind of, or was that yeah, your own doing? That was my own doing. We did dry land training, but um, oh, okay. it was more my own doing because I just wasn't very good at sitting still. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love to feel the wind in my face. So right, of course. That's great. Now, how did you feel being one of the only women back then riding with guys? You know, it's, I know some women that don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah, um, I think I had a lot of brothers and cousins that were guys. So I kind of, grew, okay. I grew up with like always doing things with the guys. So it wasn't, it wasn't uncomfortable for me. And I found that generally, you know, they, I was treated just like an equal in as far I mean, I didn't feel like, you know, everything was like great. Everything was straight up, simple and easy. The only thing that, oh, the volume's gone. Oh, can oh, you no. hear me? Now I can hear you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, trying to think of where the, the challenges were. Yeah, no, really, they were really supportive of the women back then. I mean, because there were so few of us and the guys were like and the coaches were like, oh, this is great. You know, like, come on out and ride with us and come to the races with us. And hmm. yeah, it was a very supportive thing. But there wasn't a lot of women who, you know, you have to be a little bit of a daredevil. You know, yeah. you're like racing down mountains, these big like switchbacks and climbing and riding close together next to people so a lot of women are like more um you know they don't want to crash and rip their skin up and yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was just skiing <laughs> and going fast so it was easy you have to create a bit of a a nerve i would say and yeah. uh yeah a bit of a comfort zone in there even now like when i i coach women it's just like you know <laughs> You're going to feel totally uncomfortable here until you get comfortable. And yeah. then sometimes you still don't feel comfortable, but it's, it, I just find it's, it's over time you develop the trust and then also the knowledge inside you of who is a good lead to ride beside, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I mean you always get that with you. It's more like it's the first few times of riding in a group. Mm -hmm. or in a pack at high speeds that can be a bit unnerving but yeah. if by just by kind of relaxing and seeing that the other people 
nobody wants to crash. Everybody wants to stay up. Everyone wants to get to the finish line. So everyone's riding a straight line. You can mm -hmm. be like inches away and actually totally safe, totally yeah. steady, no fear. You know, it's, it's like, it's really a beautiful experience oh, riding totally. in a pack. You know, even if I it's agree not with the you. talking side of it, but just everyone in this pack, riding together, kind of moving forward, focused in a way. There's a very special kind of energy in that, which I find is a little bit different than running. Running, mm -hmm. running because you're in the pack, it's almost like it's a team sport when you're riding all together. Everyone's working together to draft and echelon and move through the wind. And it's a, it's a really beautiful um, time, actually, in the pack. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And um, yeah, it's a good synergy. I can think of a couple of times where racing where I felt like that kind of comfort, you know, in a group. Because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like very much a lot of movement happening. And I'm talking about racing mm -hmm. more where, you know, you just got to be um, uh, hyper aware of what's going on. Hyper aware. Like your <laughs> concentration. Yeah. Your concentration becomes so amazingly intense and acute. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you can pick up things from like way yeah. out on the side you're just aware of everything it's amazing you're so zoned in yeah i think when you're when you get to that part when you're racing it's it it feels amazing yeah you know yeah. so so taking on so you got onto the national team and you're with a group of women or are you just one woman yeah so um my first experience with the team was an invitation to come to Texas and do the winter training camp in Texas in Austin. And it was great. You know, there was a men, a group of the Canadian national team men, and they had a big house that they all stayed in. And we were a few blocks away in another house. So the team rented two big homes and we would, there was like six women and maybe oh, cool. 10 guys. And we would, we just trained for two months. And then we did the tour. Of Texas. Wow. <laughs> and then we did the tour of Texas in Austin. So it's a nice stage race. So that was my first kind oh, of cool. international level. You know, riders came from Europe, you know, France. Yeah. Germany. How long was that tour? I think it was like maybe about a seven day stage race. Right. Not huge, but it was kind of like an early season one for North America. And, right. um, yeah, it was kind of the early season one that was a, an international event. And that, that was a great experience, actually. It was really fun. I bet. Then, so is that when you then went over to Europe? And then from there, <laughs> uh, from there, uh, I, I moved to, I came back to Calgary and decided I wanted to move down east. So I came to <laughs> Ottawa. And yeah. within a few weeks of being in Ottawa, there was a selection race in St. Catharines that was for okay. a team that was going to the Tour de France. So <gasps> oh my God, cool. Okay, talk so about it was that. The second year that, and I didn't know that there was even a first year of women going to the Tour de France, which was in 1984. So also mm -hmm. 1984, for a lot of people that don't, this is shocking news. 1984 was the first year, maybe it's not, now we're in 2021, but when I was young, I was shocked to learn 
1984 was the first year that women's road racing was allowed in the Olympics. There was oh. no women's road racing in the Olympics before that. That was the very first Olympics in LA. So was that it? same year was also the very first edition of the Women's Tour de France. So it was 1984, 1985. And, right. and it ended after those two years. Yeah. Great, because we did all the same stages as the men, everything. It was, we had the team cars, we had hotels. You got to race it? Yeah, yeah, totally. It was like, a, oh my gosh. It was a really wonderful. So I was on the team, on the, on the Tour de France team. So, so good, just going back. So in St. Catharines, there was a qualification qualification race mm -hmm. Denise Kelly was there and Laura oh my gosh yeah I met Denise okay so unfortunately Denise didn't make it on the team for the tour she would have done incredibly well in in the mountains in the Alps but she had a broken arm at the trials and she still raced the trials and she still oh. did very well but there was no way she could compete at that international right so um yeah, so anyways, I guess there were six of us that made the team. Laura Raptash and Santa Bauermaster and myself were the three from the Ottawa area. And then there was uh, Kellyanne Way and uh, Sue Lemieux from BC and another girl from Quebec whose name I can't remember. Sorry, I forgot her name. That's yeah, okay. so we, uh, and then from there we went to France with our, with our coach and soigneur and we had the whole package like we were riding with uh bernard hino and steve bauer and all these guys at the time Whoa. yeah it was so, really so was it a full 21 days yeah. for the women i believe it was um <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i was fighting so much <laughs> but i know what they did for the women's race we always had the same finish line as the men the same location but you know, the men were riding 230K. The women would ride like 100K, anywhere between 80. Oh, okay. So you didn't have the start, same start We would line. usually start mid-race at where the men had one of their sprint, you know. Oh, okay. Point, point sprint lines or something. We, we'd start at that point and then, and we would always start a bit earlier than the men, maybe an hour or so or two right. before the men so that we would finish. And then within another hour, the men would be finishing. So Did they ever pass you? No, no, thank God. No, oh, imagine that. <laughs> the women were, the women were you must bad. neutralize so the men can pass. I no. <laughs> so there was um there was one woman who so that Jeannie Longo raced, you know, she did the tour that year. And also another woman named Maria Canines, who's not as well known um, as Jeannie Longo. Because her, her career wasn't as prolific, you could say, or as long. Jeannie Longo raced on into her 50s on an international level. At, oh, wow. At elite, not just as a master's, but as mm -hmm. a But um, Maria Canines was an Italian cross-country ski racer. And in the off-season, she did cycling. But she had incredible, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, lungs, basically. Mm -hmm. And she actually, her, her times climbing she was consistently climbing the pace of the men's lead pack. Like not the guys on the break out the front on the climbs, but she, her climbing pace, like she just blew. So were you guys be, were, so was she always ahead or were you guys able to keep up with her? You know, like she wasn't, um, like Maria Canines was like a, 
she was really lovely. Like, you know, we'd be riding in the pack and we're all in the pack. And then it wasn't like she'd make an attack. <laughs> she <laughs> like, just like slowly increase her speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then, you know, as you know, the pack sort of stretches out and you always kind of end up with the same few people when you're when you're on a long climb that goes up for like 15k or you know you're you're climbing for an hour and then yeah so so there's always a few people that you know you'd see on the climbs and there's always a few people you wanted to stay away from in the descents and there was always a few people who you you knew you wanted to stay away from you know when period yeah yeah period so I think my days of riding with the cadet men in BC, cadet boys in BC, taught me that it's very important to be at the front of the pack all the time. So that was, that was it. As long as we stayed in the front, you know, it was good. It's always good at it's the top quarter. Good. That's what I say. I say, <laughs> girls, I took a, a, I took a bunch of girls to an event. Like it was like, um, okay, it was just an event, but even events turn into races, like races. You know what I mean? Like, Even forget. For people like, who say they're not competitive. If they're timed, <laughs> they're events and people want to go fast. So yeah. I was like, okay, I had 12 girls. They've never raced. This is like two years ago. And I'm like, okay, we need to move up because we're like at the back. I'm like, you do not want to start a race at the back. Like, trust me, you think it's safe back here, but you're going to be riding by yourself for the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you ever want a chance to ride with anybody, you need to start in the mid pack. So you have people to jump on with along the way. If you can't stay with like a stronger pack in front, I'm like, who's with me? And all the girls are, their eyes are like bugging out. What are you talking about? And I'm like, we're going up there. We're going up to the, towards the front or even halfway. So I moved halfway. I took like five of them. They're like, okay, I'll go. So I took five of them and we're halfway. I'm like, okay, we can still maneuver our way to the front before it starts like closer. The first quarter, I always say, get in the yeah. first quarter. You'll get in a good pace pack. If that one's too fast, you can drop back to the next one. There will be many behind you. Basically, yeah. you know, you don't want to start at the back. Cause you start at the back. Never start at the back. <laughs> you'll be by yourself. For the whole race and 100k by yourself is brutal yeah totally. you got it <laughs> yeah so it's like they're like what i'm like trust me Just trust me and follow me let's go don't yeah, worry it's not like a it's not like a big race peloton like it strings out pretty quickly but there's always the faster groups that you can jump on and if you can work less for longer then it's worth it <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely work less for longer <laughs> like, that's racing right there yeah totally. so tell me about tour de france tell me about that experience oh yeah it was um it was fantastic um yeah so we had the, the one thing that i that always sticks out is the team car like every so back then there was no women's pro racing there was pro men and there was all women were amateur and you raced, oh. for your, you raced for your country. You did not have a pro team. Right. Okay. There was the Canadian team, the U S team, France, there was Russia, there was China even had a team in that tour. 
um, Colombia, like from all over the world. There was, wow. there was women. And Germany, throughout Europe, most of the teams were from Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a, a team car, which was really cool. And we had two team cars, Peugeot's with your country flag on the car and all the bikes up on the roof. We were like, you know, because none of us had been at that kind of event. Like they didn't have that kind of thing for women, that level of support for the riders. It was just amazing. And, you know, huge start lines. The, the crowds were like incredible. How many, how many teams were there? So you're saying like a team per country, basically. Yeah. Some teams, you would some say country, some countries had an A and a B team. They had two squads. So uh, how many ladies would you say were on the hundred of us riding? Oh, that's really good. It was a good size. Yeah. Theater. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, we stayed in, uh, you know, like the men, we had little hotels and chalets that we'd stayed in along each stage of the tour. We uh -huh. had a coach and mechanics and soigneur, um, mm -hmm. great food, uh, <laughs> beautiful countryside. And, and it was, it was kind of like blink. Wow. This is how I wasn't even aware that there was a selection for the women's tour de France. I just ended up. Where am I? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and the racing was, um, I was actually very blown away because in Texas, I had done very well at the Tour of Texas. And the reason I think I'd done very well is because I was determined not to get blown off the back before. <laughs> so all winter, a friend of mine who was uh, a weight, you know, he was like a bodybuilder and a weight trainer, and he really <laughs> helped me develop a lot more power in my legs and I'm like I don't know I just I don't care I just don't want to get blown off the back tell and me up, tell me know, how important weight training is for cycling yeah I think it's um now there's all kinds of approaches and dealing with it but mm -hmm. you know you really need that raw kind of explosive power mm -hmm. that real strength power strength is such a you know aerobic capacity is vital but yeah that kind of power in your legs is and the lower torso well even you have to be strong everywhere but you need that real explosive strength in the lower body mm -hmm. and i kind of had it a little bit from ski racing as well so yeah. it kind of overlapped well um i don't know what i was talking about well, you're talking about your coaching he put you through a weight oh, training program before you hit tour of texas yeah and so i did really really well at the tour of texas even though there was an international component I was quite like surprised that I could like stay up at the front of the pack and do breakaways and do really well in the hill climbs and everything um and then we when we went to France for the tour the level was just like up a whole a whole notch like all the like I was suddenly to stay at the front of the pack throughout the ride on a stage it like it was like huge effort for me to always like I, I made a point of always staying at the front because I didn't want to be in the back of the pack yeah. not because I didn't want to get drunk <laughs> I, I, I get you <laughs> it's worth the effort because actually you work way harder at the back than at the front <laughs> you get dropped oh or there's crashes so you yeah. just you just stay up at the front and everyone at the front is very focused 
It's mm-hmm. easy to see where you're going. It's great. And um, yeah, so the level of the level of fitness was like, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, wow, all these women are so fit. You know, it was great. It was really inspiring, actually. And they were, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really fun. Um, my favorite part for me was the big climbs because I'm pretty small, 5'3". I was about 105 pounds at that time. And 5'3", five, 5'4", five, on a tall day if I stretch it out. it's funny (laughs) so I was light so I had a a high strength to weight ratio so I I did very well in the climbs and I and I really enjoyed them and it was kind of like a the the climbing I found is it's kind of like a very meditative thing because it's you have to stay very focused you have to stay very in the zone but you really have to ride your pace you cannot ride someone else's pace in the long long climbs and it's a real kind of inner experience. It's, it's very beautiful, yeah. And the other thing that was super fun about the climb was just like the throngs, thousands of people all along the roads on these big switchbacks climb and you can't even breathe, you know, because- Oh my gosh, you got to experience all that, the like- Oh like, yeah. Like biking through, you like- I mean, so- it wasn't quite as severe, I'm sure, as the men's. By the time the men came, the crowds were thicker. But there was so many people who were so supportive of the women's tour. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely crowds and crowds of people. All so how did you feel after, you, so you're on the start line, you're talking about looking at all these women, how fit they are. So after the first day, do you remember like, ooh, because it's, you know, like the first day is always like, you know, sussing out the group and like, who's, who's where and, and then you're like, okay, so this is who I have to look for. She's really good. Stay away from her. What do you remember what your, like your first thought, like your thoughts were after the first day, because you got 20 days after you're like, okay, this, this going to be fast. Yeah, (laughs) This is going to be like, I definitely realized that it was like, um, you know, everyone was very well trained, very, very prepared. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I was up for the challenge. I, I put it that way. Like I was always, I was also really well prepared. I didn't realize that I was at that level, I guess. I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. that I was at that level. Like I did really well in the, I did actually really well in the Tour de France. I was like the top Canadian. I probably would have, you know, I finished the prologue race TT, I was 21st. I did a number of stages where I finished in the top 15, top 10. Nice. And then I had a couple of bad, bad days where I, <laughs> where I was in a crash or I left my cycling shoes in the hotel room. Oh, and, no. and I'm on my, in my Birkenstocks at the start line and my couch is ready to strangle me. And uh, you serious? You raced in your Birkenstocks? Well, fortunately, it was, the, it was the stage. Well, we had the longest climb. It was the most epic climb of the tour. Oh my god! And, and you know, we're we're starting to warm up and everything. And I'm like, oh my god, Michelle, my cycling shoes. I left them in the hotel. He's like, you can't be serious. And it was 30 kilometers away. So oh. the race organizers called the police in that village. The police in the village went to our hotel. They got my cycling shoes and were 
and this is like so 30 40 minutes later we're all on the start line waiting and everyone's oh. wondering what we're waiting throwing for. you your shoes and put them on you can hear them Jean darn screaming up to the start line and they throw me my shoes oh. and then it's like as soon as I got my shoes in my hand, they start the start gun, you know, the race start. No, so I'm scrambling to get my shoes on. But anyways, at least I got my shoes. Oh my god, it's hilarious! That is the best story ever. <laughs> no, no, I mean like, it wouldn't happen now. You'd have a second set around, and you yeah, know. really, or they're like you know, bike shorts, shoes, <laughs> shirt, helmet. That's always like. Make sure yeah. you got everything like that in your bag. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The and, police. Now that is some creative thinking. Go into my room. My bike shoes are like underneath my. <laughs> oh my gosh. What'd your room look like after? Well, I, I'm here somewhere. <laughs> we stayed in little different chalets every, every day of the tour. So yeah. that was one little village that we stayed in that one night. So it was an empty hotel room and they found them easily enough, fortunately. Oh, good. <laughs> oh my God, you're Yeah, and another nice story I remember, uh, <laughs> well, there was a couple of goofy ones, like the, the next second stage. <clears throat> so the prologue happens and the next day is stage two or stage one. It was a flat stage. Um, so I'm not a sprinter. I'm like, okay, the sprint's going to come up. I'm just going to move to the back and get out of the way for the sprint part. But anyways, 30 kilometers from the finish, I get a flat tire. <clears throat> so, you know, I'd never done the thing where you get your tire on, the mechanic comes, your team car comes up, changes your tire. The guy runs behind you and pushes you. And then there's this long train of about 30 cars riding behind the pack. And you have to like echelon, like you're riding like hopping from car to car to car to car to car to get into the pack. That was so much fun. I'd seen it on TV. I'd seen the pros do it. And here I am doing it. Wait for. I take a sip of water here. Prapti to get back on. <laughs> Sorry, Sylvie. That's My okay. <laughs> My battery. <laughs> Like, oh, what? <laughs> oh my gosh so that's super exciting yeah and then, uh anyways after that then then i get up to the pack and i'm in the pack and it's like cl getting close to the sprint and i was kind of trying to move myself out of the way of the big sprinters and i caught a wheel on a curb and i had a huge crash like about 15 meters outside of that line. It used to be one kilometer from the finish. If you finish inside one kilometer, if you crash on the inside of one kilometer, you get the pack time or you, you finish. Okay. If you crash on the outside of that, you have to 
no. You have to cross the finish line. So I was like gone, you know, head first into this big wall, lying on the ground for 10 minutes. Like they're trying to wake me up. Anyways, get to the finish line. So that was my spectacular day one. But everything else after that was uphill. I mean, it, that was it, day it, one. That was day one. But after that, I had no more problems. So it was great. <laughs> okay, just a second. <laughs> Is that the same, the croc? Like you missed your crocs, you had a crocs. flat and you crashed in the same day? No. <laughs> crocs were uh, maybe stage 14. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. That's a, I'm glad you came out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope the rest of this tour isn't the same. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit like shaken up by that, but um, fortunately it was all good after that. That's good. So were you, did you participate the year after as well? You know, I didn't, there was no women's tour de France after that. You and said it was two years, no, or is it just one? Two years, 1984 and 1985. Yeah. And then it never happened again. Did you get to participate in both years? No, I didn't. Just in 85, 84, I was still racing sort of more on a national. Oh, you did the last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just did. The oh last. my God. That is so year. exciting. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know the story about, there must've been someone on the board of the organizing committee of the tour that said, Hey, let's make this happen. And then after two years, uh, who knows? I don't know. There's a story to why it ended, but, um, it was fantastic. Sorry, your volume. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. I said it's probably like too, um, you know, too much taken away from the men. I don't know the story either, but if you, um, if you ever check out Catherine Bertine's book stand, she starts talking about UCI racing, um, from 2005. And that's okay. when she started and her, um, her push to get women back into the tour de France. Right. So she's basically was one of the spearheads or the spearhead who has gotten it back because they just announced it that it's going to be back next year. I know you That's should be part so of that. Exciting. You should, I mean, you should be part of like the, the, like, I'm going to connect you guys actually. So yeah, because, sure. um, yeah, yeah that would be cool to speak with her about it. Um, it was a, it was an amazing experience and uh i feel really really fortunate that i that landed in my life experience path you know and honestly uh, yeah it was great very fortunate. that's a huge huge yeah. like and we did well uh, the canadian team did really well we were competitive throughout it you know um, we're not like a huge cycling nation but but everyone everyone finished the tour everyone rode strong we had a great team spirit. It was wonderful. Yeah. Have a finish for Canada. Like, did they rank all the countries? Yeah. Um, remember? Actually, I'm not sure of our, our overall position, actually. Um, but there was general, there was general classification ranking, polka dot jersey, you know, the whole thing, sprint um, and general classification. Yeah. Maybe we were seventh, I think, something like that. <laughs> Canada. But yeah, super excited that it's going to be back next year. So we can all like really cheer it on and uh, yeah. let them know that. Uh, and those women have never 
you know, the women that are racing now, they're doing, you know, five and seven day stage races, I think. But I don't think any of the pro women, elite women's racing has like two week or longer tours, two or three week lengths. The only one that I know of that used to exist was a tour of PEI. That oh. was 11 days. Wow. And I think, I think that ended 2000, I want to say 11, like somewhere around 11 or 10. Cause I remember I went to a stage race in Charlevoix as a senior one, two, and I came first in the time trial and I was like completely wow. blown away. I was like, what? <laughs> but, but all the senior one, two competitive women were at PEI. They were not at Charlevoix. So I was like, I don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and I came second in the overall standings, which is oh, like race. I know. Like yeah. it, that was like four events over two, three days. Right. And uh, yeah. So it's like, I know why I won, but I don't care. <laughs> it's like none of the girls were here. <laughs> they're all like over there yeah, but so so tell me so then you um so where did your cycling go after that once you were done yeah, you know it was kind of like I was kind of a blip on the radar I oh. came left really fast Is there? <laughs> but basically um so that season was a very long season for me because it started in in end of January in Texas and went through racing, 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 training, training, and then into May, June, Tour de France, July. Then I was racing in other places in Europe, in, in other parts of France and in Norway, and then back in the US. And then there was world championships. And yeah, that's November, isn't it? Like, I was like so burnt out. <laughs> and the next season came along and and then I realized like, you know, I, I'm not going to do that to myself again because it was like too much. So I started out the season. We raced in, we didn't do the tour of Texas that year. We went straight to Europe. And um, by the time I came back, because there, there was no women's tour that year. And I remember coming back to Canada <clears throat> in July and, and uh, the team, you know, I, I did something really stupid. We had a, we had a stage race in, um, in Utah, it was a international race, stage race. I've heard about that one. Okay, it was a great race. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't wanna be at it because I was so burnt out from traveling in Europe. And I wasn't used to that lifestyle, like living in this, it's a very intense lifestyle racing. I can imagine. You know, so I just, I just, um, we had a rest day and the team went out for a training ride. I, I wasn't feeling well. That's what I told my coach and I, I just decided to come back to Ottawa. So I didn't finish that stage. And then, and then after that, I was removed from the team. Understandably. Yeah. Do you just I, like, I'm just gonna <laughs> drive home. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got my airline ticket and I just flew home and that was well, it. You know, I mean, kudos to you for <laughs> listening to yourself because a lot of women are afraid to lose that spot and they'll just continue doing that to their bodies. You know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, it wasn't of saying like, you know, I just like be, that. I needed to enjoy it. I needed to be able to be happy. And I was just so miserable. I'm like, what am I doing? This is my life. I want to be happy. I love it. Thank you very much. Take you charge. Me, but... I feel like it's like ducking out of the party without telling anybody. Bye. Not yeah. even a bye. <laughs> do the full circle and leave. Yeah. Looking back at it in hindsight, you know, that was very reckless of me and very kind of, I was very ungrateful for the opportunities I've been given. So I, I could have done it in a, in a much more balanced way. But anyways, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, I need to talk to you right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe communicating to the coach might have been. <laughs> Where is Debbie? <laughs> like, wasn't she just here yesterday? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> reckless, but yet listening to your body. So you're back in Ottawa. So is that what did you end up doing? Well, I've stayed in Ottawa ever since then, actually. I returned to Ottawa and um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually switched into running. I got into meditation. That was around the time I was getting into meditation and, and meditation was actually a big part of, I think, for me, the competitive cycling, I was not a seriously uh, aspiring competitive athlete like my dream was not to go to the olympics and compete in the tour de france and the world championships i was really fortunate to have that experience but it wasn't like what was driving me forward and the real the thing that i kind of attribute my uh success my short-lived but success in cycling well, it, i mean you had a ton of experience in that short-lived success yeah. that probably a lot of people would love <laughs> right now you know i really attribute it to meditation because at the time when i started getting to that international level i was saying to myself look at i'm like five three and a half i'm like a little nobody athlete i'm not going to be strong enough to compete with these women at this international level on a regular basis i need to tap into some extra strength so i did the weight training and i'm like i need more strength so i started getting to meditation and it's it People think, how can meditation and competitive sport go together? But they are so united. It's like they're, they're together. Like you can't have one without the other almost. It's like that deep power of concentration being very, very, very centered. So you can stay very focused for these blocks of time. So you can perform at your peak. So the meditation was what really allowed me, I think, to reach the level I did. And... Um, and then after I, after I finished competing, then I continued to pursue my, my meditation journey with more um, one-pointedness. And right. then I really opened my restaurant and stuff. Oh, well, that's cool. So where did you, have you always been a vegetarian, like a vegan or? A vegetarian since around that time, since about 85, I became vegetarian. So when did you decide, like, decide to do a restaurant was that something on your radar or you're just kind of oh. no never in a million years <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was something my so my, my spiritual teacher Sri Chinmoy it was something that he encouraged me to do and I was like but I really I can steam broccoli and do toast and eggs you know that's about all I know in the food world but he really really encouraged me to to open a restaurant a vegetarian restaurant and so I followed his sign. Uh, wow. 
encouragement and guidance and and went ahead and did it and, and it wasn't so much i think for me to to uh to have a vegetarian restaurant it was more like the experience of of starting a business and and you know that kind of sense of responsibility and just like you learn so much about yourself your own limitations and your weaknesses and you can really kind of become a better person <laughs> through through challenging that yourself. or burn out over you know, totally <laughs> burn out. Yeah. So, and so on many levels anyways it was, it was really great so I did that for 24 years but it took like all my time and all my uh energy and and dedication to really kind of make that happen successfully so then when I cl we closed in 2018 I was like I was having problems with my feet and my knee so I couldn't keep up running so I'm like started riding again I'm like oh my god riding is so much fun I love it so now I'm riding been away from it for so long yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so did you do that restaurant all by yourself or did you have partners no I was the sole owner yeah yeah, you did all the prep, like everything? No, no. I was the sole owner, but there was a team. Oh, okay. You know, at one point there was 12 staff there, like oh. between full-time and part-time. So yeah, there was, was it a little takeout place or did, was it like no, a restaurant? It was a restaurant, small. We had about 27 seats oh. and uh, we did That's a lot of takeout on the, on the campus. Mm -hmm. I was really, really successful little restaurant, actually really quite well known, for, but we didn't promote it and and market it because we had such a niche clientele right near the University of Ottawa. So people just from the arts department, law department mm -hmm. were right across the street from us almost. So yeah. we were like, hi, we were like their second home. Yeah. Then you nice. really don't need to advertise after that, right? Like, yeah, I was really fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you close it down? Just sort of uh, the, it ran its course. You're kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, you said your, your knees. Uh, we needed a new location. Uh, because the university, we were so tied into the campus and the university structure had changed so much and they started having a lot of on-campus food service and whatnot. And oh. our business started really diving down. We needed a new location. I needed a ton of money to do that. And I, I just wasn't up for the effort that it was going to mm -hmm. take to reinvent ourselves in a new spot. You know, I'm right. kind of like simple. I just like, I like my life to be kind of simple and um, manageable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we closed. <laughs> so then now what are you uh, occupying your time with? I because work, you're I work a lot still. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can't keep yourself can't get like you're always busy. But what are you doing now? Yeah. So right now I'm working as um, an office manager at a beautiful venue in Ottawa called All Saints Event Space. So it's oh, a, yes, I remember we was talking former about former Anglican church that was yeah, a yeah. Hill. it's over a hundred and something years old, which is very old for Canadian standards. Mm -hmm. And um, Leanne Musa, along with a, a group of other individuals from the community, purchased that church, which was for sale, to, to save it from becoming part of a, mm -hmm. a condominium or a, the University of Ottawa campus is what it was going to be. Right. So then it converted it into a beautiful event center. We have a beautiful restaurant. Uh, uh, first, you know, amazing pastry bakery happening there right now. And uh, we're opening tomorrow because we've been closed. Pastries? Well, the pastries, <laughs> the pastries have been, have been going all, all, all summer, but all spring, but uh, we've been closed because of, you know, the lockdown. So we can finally open tomorrow. So we're ramping up. 
I'll just have to let our our cycling club know there's another spot. I'm to telling stop you, for I for think peace. that spot is going to be the spot in Ottawa for cyclists who want an amazing chocolatine, almond croissant, and an amazing coffee. We have a beautiful big terrace. It typically can hold Ooh. five people. Yeah, it opened a year and a half ago. The terrace opened. Actually, now we can now when we're full capacity because we've extended it, we can probably have 150 people out on the terrace now. But but because of the COVID, you build it. So one is on the front side of Laurier and the other is on the back side of Blackburn. So they're connected. Oh, okay. So one is t covered a covered terrace and the other is an open terrace in the trees. They're very beautiful. Oh. So it's a great place for cyclists. Um, Jeez, I have to drive by there again. Yeah, in a yeah. while. <laughs> and Christophe Maison is our our pastry chef, and uh, he's like a remarkably talented French pastry expert. Uh, yeah, and then we have a, a great guy on our head of our culinary team, Jason, also really skilled. Yeah, so we've got a great. Good. Career. I'm going to add it to our stops yeah. in the city. Yeah. And so, so now you're working there and, but now you've gotten back into cycling and I know that you're kind of working with the Ottawa bike club, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're not working um, with them. I'm, I'm a member of the Ottawa bicycle. Club. Okay. So that's where you're going to tear up the time trials. But. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> coming out to your time trial. You better be. Absolutely. I was just out there this morning uh, marking up the turnarounds and the start. And uh, and um, yeah, I'm in the middle of getting all the approvals and everything because we kind of had to, like everything else, you know, kind of had to wait. And, um, you know, I didn't want to do too much before the go ahead was done. And now Quebec says yes. And our, our event's probably going to be one of the first ones on the calendar. And yeah. registration opens tomorrow, right? Or is it today? Know. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I don't even keep track of this anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, I have girls who tell me what to, what's going on. I'm like, what, what's new in the lockdown news today? <laughs> no, but I mean, for your event registration. Oh, yes. I think... Um, uh, next week okay because we're we're still talking about categories okay because um i want to add an open category but i don't know about open category i mean anybody can participate in a time trial with doesn't matter what kind of bike they're riding exactly um the beautiful I, thing about time trialing it's the race against yourself yeah and uh so some people think you know you need to have a fancy bike but i just say no way you don't like you can do just as good and on anything yeah. um but like we'll have a para category so uh tandem and uh para athletes and if we if the team time trial that would start in chelsea proper all the way down and finish at our finish line so that's 27k wow so i'd have to get approval for that because in the last two years, um, there's been a lot of um, development in Chelsea. So there's a little bit, I don't know if there's so much more traffic on the 105. It's usually like, 
you know, Chelsea, old Chelsea Road, Scott Road. Um, I haven't yeah. necessarily seen like an influx. So Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. Well, I'm just going to be watching it. So, yeah, but you're going to have to bring out lots of people from the club. Yeah, yeah. I think people are looking forward to it, Sylvie. Yeah. Exciting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give you our event page and I'll post it actually. Uh, well, actually, it'll, by the time your episode is aired, this event will have gone over. But um, I will still post it <laughs> so people can follow it anyways for next year. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so I think this is comes to an end. I mean, that was amazing. Like, <laughs> um, it's so exciting to hear about that time. Um, and that knowing that the Tour de France for women is coming back. Yeah, it's um, really wonderful for women's cycling and uh, uh, the inspiration and, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for, for, yeah, it's, it's a great event and um, women are more than capable of, oh. you know, yeah, it's about time. Yeah. And um, if I was of age and on a pro team, I would feel like a light, uh, like a fire under my butt to want to be, on a team that would be participating. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I can feel it right now and it is not gonna happen for me, but, <laughs> but I'm excited about it because oh, I- yeah. Women all yeah, over yeah. the world that ride, it's like such great news. It's kind of like this breakthrough, you know, like the glass ceiling is burst open finally. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of sponsors too. Yeah, totally. And it would be great to see because this day and age in the last like 10 years, there are so many more women entrepreneurs um, in business to actually support Sport. a female cycling pro team, right. like female to female. Right. Uh, that's my vision to see something like that. Um, even like junior teams. Right. Coached by women, supported by women, funded right. by women um that's my dream that's what i want to see more of wow that's great well yeah. it's happen yeah and you know thanks to people like yourself making making I it just pull you into the mix so you better watch it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much debbie or prapti uh jensen um this has been exceptional i i think i'm gonna move your episode to mid uh, mid tour de france I'm oh cool <laughs> why not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think this should be uh promoted uh somebody who's um who experienced the women's tour de france in 85 yeah was i totally like listen to how it was back then yeah so. and and it's interesting though just like I would, if you go online and you try to look at the Tour de France, 1985, 1984, like women's tour, there's like no information on it. That's one sad thing. Like all the archival stuff that's available online is all about the men. So you'll, you'll see, you might see a shot of Jenny Longo and maybe one shot of Maria Camines and Cecilia Odin, but that's about it. Yeah. 
no no peloton where you might be in there no there's no like if you look there's nothing on it except for the ones that you have those are i don't know how i got those photos i mean i haven't put anything up i'm not like techie and all that stuff i haven't posted anything but um but if you just do a general search for the women's tour on sort of like big sites there's nothing yeah but there's tons of stuff on the men's of course but just not I can't believe, oh my gosh, you must feel so amazing that you did that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I would have been feel more, you know, the thing is I was so not like aiming for that. It just kind of happened in my life. So, so it was like an incredible experience and I feel so fortunate to have had it, but it's really different. You know, when you, it's really different when you get given something and you haven't worked for it and then you, and you and then you do something that you've worked really hard for so that's kind of how i feel with that whole experience like it kind of just landed on me like i wasn't aiming for it i wasn't like aspiring for that but i'm so grateful i had it and and i think i would have i would have um maybe gone a lot done a lot more with it all had it been something i was really pursuing you know but anyway <laughs> but it was well, that's a good point but here's a question. Um, did you find that as that year went, like you enjoyed the tour of France, you're like, I'm happy I'm here. But as you went through all the, the rest of the race season, you're kind of like, Hmm, I'm just not feeling it. You're feeling it a little bit less, a little bit less every race. Cause you're kind of, I'm just kind of here. Is that how you felt? Um, you know, I think it's really, it's really interesting because as you age, like it's so, it's like, it was like a long time ago, you know, 35, 38 years ago. So at the age of 23, like my perspective and my way of seeing things was so different than now. So at that time, I don't say I was losing interest at all. I was having so much fun. Okay. I so you're, like, you're having fun. I mean, what I'm talking about is like the fun was starting to dissipate like it's kind of like not yeah, fun the, fun 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 not so much the first much. year was really fun the second year when i decided oh I, okay like I, did, um, yeah. I was sort of really struggling like what am i why am i doing this i'm doing this because i love biking because of everything but then i'm looking at myself going i'm not having fun anymore this is like, this is like a miserable job slogging it out with people who aren't happy, who I wasn't happy, you know, like that, you know, it was like, I wasn't finding the joy in it. So for me, it was like, why am I doing this? So I stopped and I pursued what I was interested in. So for some reason, your voice is cutting out a lot. What's that? Were you getting paid to race? No, not at all. The women didn't get a penny. All the money we made from every single race as a national team athlete, all the all the races we did that had prize money, all that money went to the national team. We never received what? Like we if you received it, you guys didn't keep it? it. We didn't get a penny of it. We weren't allowed to back then. What, what do you mean you weren't allowed to? On a national. That's usually what they race for. That's like part of their. Income. Now it is. But at least for Canada, there was there was a lot of prize money in the Tour de France, but I was a top Canadian. I didn't get one cent. 
ever from any race. How did you fund your travel? Did they uh, pay for that? The national team, the national team paid for our travel accommodation. And we got, as a carded athlete, a carded athlete, we got $450 a month to cover, you know, our rent when we weren't working. <laughs> I guess back then rent was a little bit cheaper than I'm yeah. thinking now. And food. Yeah. But even then, 450 a month was, you know, <laughs> everyone still had to work full time. You had to have a job or you had to be living with your family who cared for you because you, you know. right. So there wasn't, there wasn't the support. There wasn't at all the infrastructure and support for women then as there is now for men or as there was then for men or, and it's evolving for women so that the sport. Very slowly. Slowly. I don't think, yeah. yeah. And it, that's part of what, um, you know, Catherine is pushing for. Yeah is uh equal opportunity there's an it's interesting though like there is really a difference like i watch a lot of i'm got the gcn app and i'm watching all the racing and um and i and and you know the coverage of the men's is racing is very different than the coverage of the women's but it's interesting and i'm not i'm not in any way i don't know what it is but it's just something i've observed you know with the men's racing like men are more powerful than women. They have more muscle mass, they are stronger. When a guy's pack is going down the road and there's people attacking off the front, that it's so dramatic, it's so explosive. Like they are just like rocketing out the front of the pack and going. And, and then you watch a women's race. So it's very dramatic and dynamic. And you watch a women's race and it's kind of like they kind of ride off the front. There's a few of them that can ride a little harder off the front. But the, and I don't know if it's women's mentality, you know, I don't know. There's definitely a difference. And I think the women's racing is, is, is not as exciting to watch. Like for the pure kind of like action side of the sport. You know, you have a point there because when I used to race, I was like, and I, for the most part, I was an independent, but I had a race, I had a team that I put together, but we were not on the same level. Like all of our fitness levels were so different, but we are a team. So like, you know, we are working towards that goal, but that is one of the things that not that I could probably survive it, that I noticed within women's racing, being in a woman's race. Yes. I just like, is, is not anybody going like, yeah. should I go? Like I'll go. And I would, exactly. I would be, I would be in there. I'm like, Hey, does anybody want to go with me? Cause I'll go. Cause like, let's just off the front. Cause this is the perfect opportunity. Exactly. We're down. The hill. It's so freaking slow. What's going on. And I'm just like, what? I know. And, and I would blow myself. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to this race. I'm going to attempt some breakaways. Um, and, uh, and also I would just watch the dynamic. If there was a bigger team in there, like of six girls, you could see the control that happened a whole lot, because if you have a dominant team in there, yeah, you wait for, you wait for one of their breakaways, like one of those, one of their girls is going to break away for sure. And then the other ones is going to like control the pack. And that's what happens in women's racing. I don't think it happens so much in men's because there's so many other 
teams, powerful teams, powerful teams that will, that will counteract, neutralize that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, You're right. That's a big part of it actually. Yeah. It's still not quite the depth for like team racing in women's. I mean, there's a lot, but there are like a few teams. There's a few teams that are like way up there and then the rest are not quite at that level. You have to be super aggressive team. Yeah. Like as women to not let that happen to you and, and just not let like a, a team control so much and just sit back, like sitting back. I'm like, what? I'm like, let's go. Like, let's go. <laughs> just, you and I would have had a good time racing together because oh I'm, my gosh, that was like, my thing. I'd be like, come on, you guys. Like, there's <laughs> six of them up yeah. the road. Like, I'd be like, hey, you want to go? Or you'd be in a break. You'd be in a break, and then everyone would just sit on your wheel, and you're like, I'm like, come on, you guys, let's go. Yeah, let's yeah exactly. Uh uh-uh. uh, uh-uh. up front, come on. <laughs> like, like this is the women's. <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention, what was really funny. I remember some of the stage races that were flatter after a big mountain day, they would, uh, we'd stop, like we'd slow down, we'd bathroom break. So the guys, of course, they can roll along the road and go, but the women can. So the whole race would come to a dead stop. We'd all like both sides of the road, all the bikes down, everyone in the ditch. Oh my God. I never thought of that. And then you get back on your bike and you go, of course, if it's a really intense stage, that's not an issue because you're very focused and you're everything's nothing's relaxed. So you're not, <laughs> not a problem, but if it's an easy stage and you're all just kind of tooling along, like who's got a pee, I got a pee. All right. Let's <laughs> pee break. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> never thought of that because I guess guys just pee on the bike. You pee on the bike. You can, yeah. Yeah. I suppose you could pee in your chamois. I don't know if you want to do that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I've got to actually get going yeah. at 11 o'clock. And I think I might just add this little extra conversation to somewhere <laughs> in there because it's really cool. It's fun. That. That there is good conversation. Okay, good. All, All right. right. Well, thank you so much. Really okay. Um, are you on Facebook yet? You know, I'm just I I I'm never gonna be on Facebook. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send uh our event page to I guess to that little email um with um Emily on it to put on your OBC page. Okay. And because that's basically what I'm going to update. Okay. On our Facebook, on the OBC Facebook page. Yeah. If you can post okay. it there. Yeah. Um, Cause that's yeah. what I'm going to update with. Like, like as I get stuff together, registration, all that stuff is going to be on that Facebook page. Okay. Just to keep it central. Cause everybody who's raced is on there oh. um, previously. So great. yeah, it's so great that you're putting this this on and um you know what i'd like to see happen in ottawa is like i don't want to keep you but i really want us to have like a time trial hill climb like starting down at 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 the main road like in the start of the park i don't know what it's called gamelan chelsea up up to uh up to uh champlain like you're up to fortune or up to fort yeah you know that's a controlled 
I, I was thinking of doing that because NCC have to like just remove them. Like they're kind of, they don't nope. want events. Up to fortune is perfect. Yeah, that's pretty steep. It's pretty steep. It's a good prologue. It's like, it's like Charlevoix. Like their first one is like, oh, it's like 19 kilometers. No, maybe even less than that. Oh, maybe it's 19, but it's like up this like 21% grade. Wow. Like it's flat, flat, flat. And that's like, <laughs> and then you turn and then the finish is there. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. It's sure. like a kick in the face, man. Wow. <laughs> and then you do the time trial the next day and then the crit in the afternoon. And then the 90K road race on Sunday. Wow. Four stages. Nice. And you did yeah. so well in that. I know. We used to go there every year. Um, and uh, Coupe, des Coupe des Amériques was another one. Um, it was a four day, uh, four event stage over the weekend. That was in Sutton. That was another oh, one. Sutton, yeah. Oh yeah. They had the prologue all the way up to the, like to the, to the chalet. Well, beside Fantastic. it. And then they had time trial and then they had a crit in, um, Cowansville. And then they came back and you did like a 90 K race Route. and then you finish on the hill, like five wow. K up. <sighs> <laughs> yeah no joke. that was a master's race only really mm -hmm. wow like if there was enough women masters i would actually get back into road racing but i don't want to do the i don't want to race with the with the men and i don't want to we, don't, we had our own start the women masters well sorry maybe with the older guys no i don't even remember it depended yeah. how many there were but i've got to go um yeah. but we can talk about this after okay. um and it's funny because I'm not sure you should you should check that one out see if it's on the calendar. Hmm. It used to be it used to be uh, an ACVQ series. Uh, it used to be one of theirs, and um, I think they stopped it a while ago because I haven't raced in seven years. Wow, is that so, long? Hmm. I know. That's why I'm like, I don't really want to do road racing. Like it kills me. Like yeah, it's, it's so hard. So hard. And, and to train for that. So I like train for crits and time trials. Oh, crits Short and hard. sweet and painful. Crits oh, are so hard. I just get, get it over with. <laughs> I don't have to like, oh my God, die for 90K. No. <laughs> By myself. The majority of it, probably. <laughs> Well, we have to do a ride. We'll ride. Oh, we do. Yeah, let's organize one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take, Take care. care. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Elizabeth. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks to Debbie. Um, and don't forget to put your notifications on. You never know who the next guest might be. And be sure to go in and give us some honest thoughts a review your greatest takeaway um tell us are you going to support the women's tour de france next year you better be 100 on board um and also uh give us a rating with that have an amazing day and we'll see you on the next episode thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. 
please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.